0: This podcast is brought to you by SalesFuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies, and motivators, decision-making abilities, and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGE SMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage Smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Okay, Lee, today's guest. I swear he lives in my office and listens to every thought that I have. <laughs>
2: Oh, so we're talking to your husband Richard today. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're
1: talking to Dave McEwen, CEO of Outfield Leadership. And uh, I'll give you more about Dave in a second. But the reason I think Dave is living in my office is I am not an evolved leader. His book is called The Self Evolved Leader. Clearly, I'm not, because here's what I say to myself Dave, you're going to start laughing at me. Well, by the time that I explain that, I could have just done it myself. And I know it puts me in the weeds, but then it'll be done and I won't have to. See, it's funny.
2: Yeah, he's laughing already. <laughs>
1: he's laughing at me already. Hi, Dave. Hey, Audrey, how
3: are you? Glad to hear that you have found my webcam. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> so well, everybody. Welcome. She's Audrey Strong. She's the Vice President <laughs> of Communications at Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. And let's have a podcast.
1: That's right. Welcome to Managed Smarter, everyone. We're so glad you're here. And Dave, our first guest, I believe, who is a native of Ireland. I don't think we've had a native of Ireland on the show. That's we've had Scotland,
3: up. but not Ireland. I will I will try to do my, my country pride, I guess.
1: There you go. Well, for those of you who don't know Dave, he's extraordinary. The book is fantastic. Um, he is the CEO of Al Field Leadership, author of The Self-Evolved Leader, who says, Dave says, most leaders are working in the weeds when they need to be thinking more strategically. He helps individuals, teams, and organizations to lead with authenticity, purpose, and effectiveness, and has worked his magic with clients including Bank of America, the British government, I got to hear about that, Entrepreneurs Organization, Bamboo HR, and many, many others. Dave, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me both. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you.
2: How come you haven't fixed the British government yet?
3: Oh, I, they did, nobody could fix that ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did you do? Get a call from the embassy? Uh, we'd like to speak to you.
3: <laughs> it wasn't quite as exciting as that. No, oh, I, I ran a. Am I five? <laughs> did,
2: did the black rod come to your office and then summon you to the queen? <laughs> yeah, the suitcase.
3: And I, and I, I had to put you. I had to put the regal dress on and approach oh, wow. it, you know <laughs> properly and boy and all of that. No, I did a, I did a leadership session for business owners in Wales of all places oh, that, was nice. f- that was put on by the British government. It was it was a lot of fun.
1: Fantastic. Well, let's start with this cycle of mediocrity because I have now just copped to the fact that I'm clearly caught up in it? What are the components of it? And how do I get out of it?
3: Sure. So the cycle of mediocrity is something that a lot of leaders and managers get stuck in, um, which is in today's day and age, as you know, we're just overwhelmed by inputs. And so everything to us just feels like urgent. Um, we really don't have any focus on the importance, uh, you know, whether it's a ping on our phone or a mail or somebody walks or off. And, and leaders, I, I believe, feel like part of their job moves inefficiency. And so they treat everything as as urgent. And as a result of that, they then kind of lead through acts of heroism, where they, they say, you know what, I know the answer, or I'll do this for you, or I'll fix this for you. Let me just do this thing so we can keep moving forward. And it feels good, you know, acts of heroism are are fodder for the ego. But the problem is, what that does is, number one, it overwhelms you as a leader because you're taking more and more on board yourself. But also, secondly, it builds a sense of learned helplessness in your people, which is essentially this. Anytime, you know, somebody comes to you as a leader and says, hey, boss, what should I do about this? And you either say, well, go do X, Y, and Z, or you say, don't worry, I'll fix it for you. You're basically teaching them that you're there to handle anything. that's too difficult or too hard or too challenging and so over time they develop this behavior and this habit where they just go you know what i'll just go to my boss because he's going to fix this for me anyway and then over time that leads to disempowerment for them and overwhelm for Mm -hmm. you and it just means we're creating mediocre work
1: makes sense and like you said not not everybody should feel like they have all the answers anyway and what i should should be doing is asking a lot of questions that's right yeah
2: you yeah. know, leaders should not be expected to have all the right answers. They should be expected to have all the right questions.
3: Sure, 100%. And I think that's one of the transitions that we're going through in leadership at the minute. You know, I think a lot of the older models of the 70s, 80s, and even early 90s was the opposite of that, which is we look to our leaders for surety. You know, there's that old adage that leaders know the way they show the way and they go the way. And there's just sort of this mythical creature of the leader that knows what we're going to do. And it just doesn't work in today's day and age. You know, the the, the people that are working in our workforce today, they don't want that. And they also can see through the fact that at the end of the day, nobody really knows what they're doing anyway. We're all kind of just making it up. And so asking great questions, like you said, Lee, is just, is such an important attribute for good leaders today.
2: Well, I also wonder about these days, then, too, if people actually still believe that there are heroes. I mean, I mean, to the extent that we used to have, like, used to before we had social media and we had the media everywhere and everything like that. I mean, you used to have baseball players that you know from back in the twenties and thirties. You know, that were right. they were heroes, and football players, same same deal, or whatever. Whereas these days, or whatever, you can't get away with anything. You say the wrong thing, you're, you're whatever. But it's like everything that you've done, you know, rightly or wrongly, is exposed, and so mm-hmm. it it kind of. You know I don't know that uh, there's a lot of belief that if somebody is going to be a hero then it's like and and I don't mean that in the sense of of, of like the hero leader or the hero factor that's a that's a different topic for another podcast that we had about three months ago but you know I, i'm just I'm just wondering if if because we don't really believe in our heroes then it's like we certainly shouldn't believe that our manager should step in and be a hero.
3: Oh, oh absolutely. And uh, do you know what? A funny thing is I think that there's still a little bit of residue on that belief of heroism. You know, you look at the analogies that are out there that are still applied to business. We still apply sports analogies like the quarterback throwing a heel Mary in the last mm. second of the game. We look a lot to to movies you look at just the rise of superhero comics and 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 things like that and then we also look to the military for examples of good leadership accountability and all of that all of those are still founded on the concept of being the hero and, and standing out there and making it happen. And so I think we're part of the reason why um, a lot of leaders struggle is we're caught between two worlds. On one hand, we understand and realize that that doesn't work, but we haven't quite yet identified where we're going to. We don't quite know that end location of what great leadership looks like. And so we, we, we struggle between those two worlds, what didn't work, but also not knowing what's to come.
2: What's the difference between a self-evolved leader and an otherwise evolved leader?
3: Um, so the reason that uh, I went down the route of a self-evolved leader is essentially to try and inspire and motivate people to, to take the development of their leadership into their own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another way to look at it is if 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 you look at the industry of leadership development and training, we spend billions and billions of dollars, not just in the United States, but globally on keynotes and webinars and and training sessions and books and and other resources. But when you look at the data, there's still an overwhelming gap between um, what our leaders believe their competency is and what the people who work for them believe their competency is. And so what I'm trying to do is say, you know, don't need to go to that training session you don't need to go to that webinar you don't need to go to that keynote per se what you need to do is take ownership over your own development and that's why it's self-evolved because this isn't going to happen to you this is something that you need to do yourself
2: so tell us about the three steps of self-evolved leadership
3: sure um, actually funny enough can i i'm gonna put a, a, a just a sort of interim pre-step in there number one it, which is essentially a mindset shift like any other behavioral or or change it all starts with shifting your perspective so the first thing that we have to do is say you know what the 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 leading through heroism doesn't work let's 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 shift our perspective to to the perspective of the self-evolved leader which is um Founded, or founded on a mantra um, that goes like this. My focus uh, as a leader is on helping my team achieve our shared goals and in doing so become the best version of themselves. The reason why that is, I think, a powerful ma- mantra or mindset shift is because there's no room for heroism in there. Um, if you achieve your goals or an individual achieves their individual goals on your team, but the team fails and they're not growing and developing, then you've, you've failed as a leader. So that's the perspective shift once you've made that um, shift there are three things that you want to work through number one, clearly defining and articulating the vision that you have for the team and the more that you can um, have your teams be co-conspirators in your success there the better, getting them to actually help you build that vision, that north star of where you're going once you've set the vision then everybody knows what direction they're going in And the next step is to build what I call an implementation pulse most uh, leaders out there um, don't have a good drumbeat for execution to get us from our vision to success, and so they're too easily distracted by everything coming in. So if you can take a look and, and and say to yourself, okay, what do I need to review on an annual basis, a quarterly basis, a monthly basis, a weekly basis, a daily basis, so that it's a drumbeat of execution that will get you to your to your um, to your destination. To your Is that
2: vision. where the measurement comes into play?
3: Yeah, there's a degree of measurement in there. And I think that we've got to be careful in, in, in measurement because goals and KPIs are great and we need them. But sometimes we rely too heavily on them and, and it becomes a box ticking exercise. And we've mm. got to remember what that measurement is for. You know, it, it's, it's what, what is the end result that we want to get um, out of there. But, but we do need measurement in there. Um, and, I, and I talk a little bit about, it, about that in the book. And then the final um, set of steps that you work through is, what are the disciplines that I need as a leader to make this happen? What are the five key disciplines that I believe that any leader needs in today's world to ensure that they're working through that implementation pulse to get to that vision?
1: I like how you say that the book will elevate your focus in a world that refuses to slow down. Again, another reason why you really, you know, nothing's going to change for you because, you know, it's, it's your world and everybody else is just living in it. Right. You have to do this for yourself. And you have a whole series of, um, they're called micro disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us an example of what those are and um, give our listeners um, a couple of them so they can And be intentional this? about it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Sure>. <laughs> Um, So the micro disciplines are are little smaller habits that you can develop or you should develop that underpins a lot of the other larger disciplines that I talk about. Um, And be intentional, funny enough, is, is one of them. What I why I think these are important uh, is it's, these are kind of small building blocks to really help mm-hmm. you build the behaviors that you need to get to. So the first one that I talk about is take a pause. You know, we're talking about a world that refuses to slow down. Rather than letting it dictate what you do, just taking a little bit of control back over what you're doing, you can take a pause in any sort of, um, you know, interaction that you have. Uh, Let's say that your team faces a challenge rather than just stepping in and saying, here's how I think we should fix this. Taking a pause and and to go back to the top of the interview, asking some better questions. What do you think we should do? It may slow down just some of that initial decision, but it will help you get back to implementing the decision a lot quicker. So take a pause is a really uh, important one uh, for me. I think secondly, what I really like is to exist in the present. Um, You know, too often we're multitasking and the reality is multitasking isn't leadership it's not, you know, and if, if we're not in the present with the person in front of us, they know that. So, you know, just things like put your phone away, stop pretending that you're taking notes on your laptop because you're not. You're probably chatting with <laughs> the other colleagues, Tetris. you know, I know that person, <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> just, just take a moment and say, I can give you two minutes of my time so that I can help you grow and develop and then get back into that flow of whatever it, it was that you're doing. Then there are another um, four or five um, micro disciplines. One of my favorites
2: is push for clarity. Talk about that for Mm -hmm. a second.
3: Absolutely. So one of the things that that often happens is we get into a room and we start talking about um, uh, an issue And, and nobody, you know, we just assume that we're tackling it from the same position. But Often people have just different positions. They have their functional position that they're, that they're bringing into the room. They also have just their own emotions and what they want to get out of this discussion. And just taking a moment and saying, okay, well, where is everybody with this challenge? What are your initial thoughts? Let's not try to fix it right away. Let's just see where you're at. Um, then to get really clear on the issue at hand, and um, too often we start trying to solve a problem when there's not a complete clear understanding with everybody in the room on what that problem is, and it's a lot like um, having a golf club swing. If I spent any time on the um, on a golf course, which I don't because I'm terrible, <laughs> um, but one of the things that I did learn the few times that I, I went out if you hit the ball a millimeter away from where you want to hit it, it doesn't end up a millimeter away from the where you want it to land. It ends up in the bunker or the water or, in my case, three holes over. That's right. And, and, and we spend too much time um, – a problem that has a different understanding amongst everybody on the team and so our golf ball lands up in the other place and we have to come back and redo the work so just taking a moment to find to get some clarity on it is that we're trying to solve and then the final one is just getting clarity on the next action have you ever been to a meeting where you talk for 30 minutes 45 minutes an hour you walk out the door and you go that was a really great meeting no idea what we just agreed to do or who's going to do it, <laughs> yes. but it felt good. And, and we're just not wired that way because it's not fun to find out the detail and go, okay, so who's going to do the next action and when are you going to do it by, and how are we going to hold you accountable? But that's where excellence comes in. So just taking a moment and saying, before you rush out the door, let's just get those next actions up on the board and, be, and have absolute clarity on what you're doing when you leave this room. We started
2: off the show talking about uh, the weeds and being in the weeds. And of course, you know, getting out of the weeds so you can spend more time being strategic and, and thinking about leadership. So I see a lot of managers that struggle with this, that some of them won't delegate anything. We mm. talked about that a little bit, but they also, some of them go to the other extreme, in their attempt to get out of the weeds, they, they try to delegate everything Super to the point delegators. where you're wondering, what does that person do in their office all day? Because everyone else is doing their work.
1: Right. So
2: can you give some tips or some suggestions on how to be a better delegator?
3: Sure, absolutely. And and one of the reasons why folks lean on the side of delegating is um, really a, a full belief of where they think value the comes from. Um, they, they, they look at their list and they say, if I delegate this out, what am I going to do? I won't, I won't provide any value to this organization, and therefore you know, I won't have a, have a job. And so we have this ego's need to hold on to things. Um, for folks that are in that side of the scale, my encouragement to you is to... to to make the decision that actually your value doesn't come from you knowing the answers or doing the work. Your value comes in building better people and leaders underneath you. And so that means that as you look at your to-do list, um, being really crystal clear on each item that you look down and asking yourself, if I was to delegate this to somebody on my team, even if I needed to spend a little bit of time giving them support and guidance, could they do it? If the answer is yes, then that most likely should be delegated out to them. No, you don't want to go over to the other side uh, like you said, and just start firing things over the transom to people, because then there's just an absolute, it just feels like people are catching balls as you throw them over. And so what I I normally recommend is there's a very important kind of um, point when a leader comes to somebody on their team to start a, a process of delegation. Usually they ask, hey, are you busy? And the person says no, I mean, says no, because they want to, you know, take on whatever (laughs) the leader's going to give them or they say, yeah, I'm really busy, but sure, whatever you want, they they put forward this notion that, yeah, I can take whatever it is that you want to give me. And so then the leader just assumes I'll delegate it out and it'll get done. The reality is that your people probably have too much on their plate as well. So getting with, uh, the first step is to get with a team member and say, hey, I've got this task or this project or this relationship I'd love for you to take on. Can we talk about it for a minute? You share what it is, you share your expectations, and then you ask, do you have you know, room on your plate to handle this, and if so, uh, if not, what needs to move or shift? And 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 it's sort of like those old fax machines. There was, you know, there's the transmitted bit. Do 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 do. Are you a fax machine? And the other fax machine goes do 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 do. Yes, I'm a fax machine. And then we go awesome. We'll send this. We'll send this message. Um, too many leaders just either refuse to delegate or they just throw it over the transom. Let's make that connection point a little bit better, a little bit more clear, so that the folks in your team understand the task at hand that you're giving to them, and that that you've given them the option to say you. You know what, if you want me to take this on, I will, but here are two or three things that might have to rejig or, or change or go a different direction. How about this
2: as a, as a question to ask when you, when you look down your list of tasks is, is, is to think, uh, how can I use this task as an opportunity to develop another leader?
3: hundred percent. Brilliant, brilliant question. I mean, you should be thinking that at all times, but I think it's, it's brilliant.
1: The website is selfevolveleader.com. We've got just a few minutes left, Dave. So last question I guess would be, how do I get started implementing this across my organization for myself and as Lee just said, for my uh, colleagues? Um, I mean first thing, get the book
3: it 's out january twenty eighth and it, it it actually ends with a 15 week program that you can you can walk through one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I did was not just provide some philosophical kind of thoughts on leadership but actually give you something practical to work through so that 's a really good place to to start if you 're wanting to do this in yourself, um, awareness of when you 're getting pulled into the weeds is the is the biggest thing so uh, if you 've just listened to this podcast and you haven 't even got the book yet, just just pay attention to those moments when you're being distracted, you're being pulled into the weeds, and just take a note of it and start to challenge yourself and say, how can I do differently now? That's a brilliant place to start for anybody.
1: That sounds good. Well, Dave, again, selfevolveleader.com. Your Twitter is Dave McEwen. Let me spell that for everybody. D A V E M is in Mary, C as in cat, K-E-O-W-N, because uh, I know you probably get junk mail with it, you know, spelled wrong. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Same thing with his LinkedIn, everybody. Dave, it's been a pleasure. I can't thank you enough. And congratulations on the book, sir.
3: Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you for having me, folks. Really appreciate being here. Absolutely. Great to have you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.